Hello and welcome. You are listening to Nina Tara, art psychotherapist on Courageous Arts, Deeper Dive, and this is episode number nine. This is an epic podcast. I don't actually know how long it is, but Lauren and I had a really, really good catch up and a really good chat. We opened up a lot of conversation around mental health and also the creative industry. But I think this podcast is going to resonate with you even if you aren't in the creative field, because there's a lot of stuff here, there's a lot of content that we covered that um, you might find suitable for you also to add there's expletives in this podcast so don't listen around children but don't mean that doesn't mean don't listen because there's so much so much covered and I love that about Lauren and I think it was just the authenticity that was coming through for me and you know what I always say is you know, swearing for me is like clearing my throat chakra. And I, I, don't, I won't lie, I do it quite a lot. <laughs> um, so, yes, do listen. And also, just to add, we're laughing and giggling because actually we were both recording and both had kittens and cats in our studio doing all sorts of things in the background. But in any case, I hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, and as usual... Please don't forget to leave a review, leave a rating and share with anyone else that you think may benefit from listening to this. So I will leave you with the podcast now. So do enjoy. Everybody, today I have another exciting guest. She's also a very, very dear friend of mine. <laughs> so I'm going to introduce you to Lauren Pena Pinto. I think I've said it wrong, haven't I? I've done it wrong. Oh, you said it right. You're good. You're good. <laughs> she is in her 20th year designing and art directing book covers. Lauren has worked in every publishing genre and collaborated with artists of all disciplines. As the creative director and vice president of the Orbit Book Books division of Hache, she has been focused on the science fiction and fantasy genre as it grows into a greater and greater portion of mainstream culture. You can also find her writing and educational projects at Muddy Colours and Drawn and Drafted. She's also the co-founder of the gallery Everyday Original. Lauren graduated from the School of Visual Arts with a degree in graphic design and advertising and she has worked in fashion for Perry Ellis and in television for MTV and for design films but found her true calling in book publishing. She's also worked at St Martin's Press, Picador Books and Doubleday Random House. Wow. That was a mouthful, I'm sorry. (laughs) When we do, you know, little bios, it kind of like really reinforces, actually, we've done so much. It's weird to sound, it's weird to hear. When I had to update it for this year, because, you know, you're, whether you're judging, I'm judging like the art directors club this year and things, you always have to like have a bio and, you know. Yeah. It's weird to hear a friend read it, though. (laughs) It's not (laughs) so full of yourself. No, not at all. Um. But yeah, I'm in my 20th year doing book covers, which is crazy to me. I've been at Orbit 12 years. So just, yeah, it's been, it's been nuts. Um, Just to think about 
how many, I mean, I haven't been in a bookstore in a while now yeah. at this point, but it got to the point, like when you walk into a Barnes and Noble that like, and you go into the science fiction and fantasy section, I've touched like a quarter of the books. In wow. entire section. And so. it's amazing, isn't it? As you said about the, the, you know, the growing genre and becoming like mainstream culture and actually yeah. fantasy and um, science fiction are, are some things that actually keep our, 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 sort of mind and body connected because that's actually where the growth is in our fantasy yeah to be well, able I to think there's daydream and yeah yeah no I think there's two sides of the coin and I think I've stayed in sci-fi fantasy so long not just because I'm a big geek and always was you know but um I really think and and one of our authors Nora Jemison um mm-hmm. who just won the like MacArthur Genius Grant so she's officially a genius wow <laughs> <can quote> her. um <laughs> you know, talks about a lot, but I'm a big fan of like Joseph Campbell and Carl Jung and archetypes and all that's a Mm. rabbit hole we could go down. But yeah, um, you know, whether you're religious or not, I think, you know, you could, you could say that, you know, religion isn't making the the myths that move the entire culture Mm. as much anymore, at least Mm. in in the Western world. Um, But science fiction and fantasy is, it's Mm. Avengers, it's Star Wars, it's, you know, all of those things. And, and it, it, over the years that it's become more and more and more and more mainstream, I remember being like teased for being a geek when I was mm. a kid, um, you know, because I love Star Wars and all that stuff. But mm. now like the cool kids are, you know, everybody yeah. likes it. I mean, if you look at Netflix, if you, especially in lockdown, I mean, yeah. we're all, it's genre is this double-edged kind of, or, or two-sided coin that it is escapist and we mm. look for it for comfort you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, distraction, but on the other side, even while we're distracting ourselves, where it's all these morality plays and mm-hmm. like good versus evil and light versus dark and, you know, the hero's journey and all that stuff. So I yeah. think that's what's kept me interested in it for so long. Yeah. And I, I really love that you said about the moral and the morality being mm-hmm. played out and actually, and often we can identify with certain characters and, you know, and actually be able to see our own, um, selves being played out somehow. Oh God, you know, yeah. Bring absolutely. that back. So it's really, really, yeah. I mean, I was trying to figure out actually how long we've known each other, and it's been quite some time because you said you've you've been at Orbit Books twelve years. Yeah, I think maybe years. we might have known each other for a good eight something years. I don't know. It's, it feels like a yeah, long time. Because I came over to Orbit, I I we knew each other virtually mm. earlier. Um, but I think when I came over to Orbit, it was in like my second year. So we've probably known each other 10 years now. Cause that's when yeah. I saw you in, in, no, well, you came to New York first. Yeah. It's yeah. about 10 years. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Actually, I know. You think about how long we've known I know. On both of our journeys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I fe- in fact, I think <clears throat> I was doing a re redesign or re recovering for the UK, um, uh, some books and mm-hmm. they were yours. And then we kind of got in touch, your original yeah, design, exactly, we got in touch exactly. that way. So <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? <clears throat> so it's really nice, again, talking, um, you know, as I, I said on the Ian podcast, I'm actually talking to my friend as well. But And I'm so glad, actually, Lauren, that you're kind of here to, to talk about um, like with mental health and and artists, because as mm-hmm. we said off air before we were recording, that's one thing that is a real sort of passion of mine as well. Having you know, being a designer, being an artist, and actually the struggles people can have. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, should we just dive right in? Yeah, absolutely. Around yeah, 
um, either a time that you yourself or, or even noticing other artists struggling mm-hmm. with mental health issues and actually what the springboards were to navigate change and, and yeah. to growth? Well, I think that it, I mean, everything's, a, I feel like, is a personal journey paralleled by a mm. professional one, at least in my life. So, I mean, working at Orbit, I work with, because sci-fi fantasy uses so many illustrators, um, I became much, much, much more um, kind of embedded in, and involved in the, the freelance illustration community and just artists in general. And um, you mentioned Everyday Original, uh, mm. my uh, a, a very good friend of mine, Mark Chef, and I started an online gallery called Everyday Original, um, more because we were um, going to conventions and things and seeing mm-hmm. people, sketches and stuff in people's portfolios, and they didn't have an outlet to sell those things. It wasn't like a traditional mm-hmm. gallery. Um, so that's how it started. Um, so, you know, getting much more involved in the artist community and also in a position of, like, as an art director for a freelance illustrator, you know, a lot of times I think... Um, looking from the outside, it looks like, you know, an artist does something and the art director approves it or not, but that's not really what it's like at all. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like you're the artist coach and together you are trying to, you know, get the approval of the editors, the publisher, the author, the sales team, all those other people. So, you know, the, the art director is not really your um, obstacle or your hurdle as an illustrator, it's your, it's your coach and your mentor. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the art director is trying to get what they need out of you to turn around and, and, and get that through all these levels of approval. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being like, kind of like half a mentoring situation. And I realized over the first couple of years I was at Orbit, especially how little, you know, I'm sure you've had this experience too, how little um, art business and like art career information art school gives artists, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they don't teach you how to invoice. They don't teach you how to, you know, communicate professionally. They don't teach Mm -hmm. you what to do when a company doesn't pay you. They don't teach you, Mm -hmm. you know, how to get healthcare, you know, that none of those things. Mm -hmm. And, and, and an art career really is only half making art. The other half is all of those other things, marketing, all that stuff. And, um, so Mark and I, uh, started this group called Drawn and Drafted, which was a bunch of art directors just kind of, answering questions. There's so much information on the internet Mm. and artists, I think, um, through the best of intentions, there's a lot of great, uh, uh, well-meaning, uh, education for artists by artists for other artists, uh, that blog muddy colors that I write Mm. for is, is run by artists, um, trying to help artists figure out this career half that they weren't taught. Um, and I said, well, wouldn't it be great if the people that are actually hiring artists gave out their information, Mm. you know, Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of how Geronimo Draft has started, but, but this is a very long answer to the short question mm-hmm. of, I thought that, uh, we also have a, if you go to geronimodraft.com, there's all kinds of, um, downloads and PDFs and free education and stuff, but we also started a Dear Art Director blog that anybody could, any artist, anybody could ask questions anonymously and one of 10 art directors mm-hmm. would under code names, so we didn't get in trouble or, you know, <laughs> yeah. they, real talk, um, answer whatever the questions were. And I thought it was all going to be about, you know, invoicing and contracts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, what do you do if you can't get a piece approved? What do I put on my portfolio? All that stuff. And there was a lot of that, but over and above, overwhelmingly, mm-hmm. the questions were mental health based. Mm-hmm. You know, how do I make art when I'm depressed? Mm-hmm. How do I, um, you know, hit a deadline when I'm frozen by anxiety, you know, how do I promote myself when I don't feel like I'm any good? Um, How do I, you know, all of these like really deep 
deep-seated, you know, um, mental health questions that mm. artists struggle with, you know, mm. and so that really over the years has become kind of my passion as well. And I'm just a artist trying to figure it out mm. too, you know, and, and I think you and I have talked, especially as you've been taking the, the arts psychology journey, mm. um, I think we've been reading a lot of the same books and, and I've really um, loved that you've taken this turn because I think it's so important um, Cause there's, there's arts therapy and then there's artist therapy, yeah. which is kind of like how I like to think of it. And I think, you know, you can, you can run it both ways, but the, the process of making art is the process of getting in touch with your, whether consciously or not with your mm-hmm. unconscious mm-hmm. to make art. But what happens when that connection is all kind of mucked up? Like it is with so many of us humans, like the conscious and the unconscious don't yeah. talk to each other. Yeah easily you know one talks in pictures one talks in words nothing flows easily but artists are steeped in that Mm. for you know and 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 I think it not only look mental health is important to everyone but when your job Mm. is to to dunk yourself in the stew of your own subconscious Mm. um and and try to get work out of that over and over and over again um it's terrifying if you don't understand yeah. what you're doing. You don't understand the process. So I saw, like, I see so many artists like struggle and myself, you know, even knowing rationally what's going on, it doesn't make it easier sometimes, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's, always, that's been my, my, I guess, like the last five years or so, I've really been trying to, you know, um, focus on that and learn and read a lot of books and mm. take classes just on how to help my own artists just mm. through, mm. you know, that kind of stuff and understand it myself. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I just love what you said about, you know, consciously tapping into an unconscious process, which is the art, Mm -hmm. and then putting it out there. But then obviously, it's to a brief. And then because the brief, you know, as you said, there's so many parties needing so many things and the details of that change and how that can impact um, an artist who's Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, putting everything into this piece, um, which is why it was so brilliant when Ian was talking about the soul sketchbook. And and also, um, I think there's that that kind of it's hard to separate the art from a brief to art from the self. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And that becomes a real sort of paradox, a paradoxical world, isn't it? Well, because even, even when you're doing work for yourself, and as a designer, you've done it, I've done it. Even when you're doing work for yourself, even if it's not, quote unquote, to a brief, you mm. still have briefs in your head. Yeah. What is my social media audience, audience going to yeah. respond to? What is going to get me more work? What, mm-hmm. it, what are fans of this thing going to like? What, you know, like, when do you, like even gallery artists, even artists that Mm. supposedly never aren't hired to be commissioned to do something, Mm. the gallery tells them, you know, Mm. influences, let's say, tell, you know, what to work on and what sells the market influences. I don't know that there's many artists, you know, above the age of 10 that, (laughs) um, that purely make art only for art's sake and through no, you know, through Mm. no influence of any brief or expectation at all, you know? Yeah, I, I really I really love the way you said that because you're you're right. I think <clears throat> you get to that age and it 10, 10, 11, 12 is about the age when suddenly art making isn't about just being free and enjoying mm. yourself. It actually becomes you know, once one it gets kind of put to the side, 
And then the other one is if you're going to make art, it has to look like this and it has to look yeah. like that. Or your friends respond yeah. to it, or it's attention, yeah. or it's cool, or your parents respond to it, your teacher responds yeah. to it, you know, it becomes part of your identity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that inner critic that can do that self-sabotage as well. And the, the questions that you're being asked, you know, how do I how do I make when I'm feeling so low? Mm-hmm. And actually, this is, you know, art can be a language, but how can I speak it when I'm, yeah. I can't even hear it myself? It's right. so hard. It's so hard. I think the hardest part of, of any artist job, and again, a gallery artist who's supposedly free or mm. not, you know, I think is to be, to force creativity when mm. you're not feeling creative. And anyone who lives off mm. making art that's how they put food in their mouths mm. um, has to be creative when they don't feel it, when they mm. don't want to be. And mm. how, do, how do you do that? It's the hardest part of the job. You know? Yeah. I think what was coming into my mind is the struggle with the authentic self. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got the art and it's your, your authentic creation. And actually it also needs to <laughs> feed you, but actually, you know, yeah. how do you create when, you don't feel so authentic and actually maybe <clears throat> you know that whole the whole thing of sketchbooking for yourself in a free way it doesn't come easy and I have to be honest with you Lauren through the training you know as a graphic artist graphic designer I was always kind of judging where I was putting my colors and where I, and then in the end you know I just started making with my eyes closed mm. so I couldn't yeah. see what was happening on the page um and so it's almost like re relearning and unlearning, isn't it? Yeah. Well, how, how do make... you, how do you knock out, like literally knock yeah. the, the lights out of that inner self judge? Yeah. yeah. Like I, it feels like it's always been there. Yeah. Yeah. And often those inner critic voices aren't our own. They're, they belong somewhere else. Mm-hmm. They'll have belonged to someone else that's told us that we were weren't very good at this or weren't very good at that, and then becomes our own voice, and yeah. it's a hard thing to do. And I, it's I really feel or even it. more insidious. <laughs> I think the ones that are sneakier are um, the ones that say you're only good if you do X. Yeah, you yeah. know, you're you're this. What you do here is great, and I I actually run into that a lot with artists because a lot of my um, I do a lot of portfolio reviews for mm. you know technically a portfolio review is somebody's presenting their work in order to get hired by orbit. But a lot of mm-hmm. times portfolio reviews, especially in the industry is, is like career counseling, you know, like, mm. where do you think I fit? Do you think this works for you? Do you think that mm. what should I be doing? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, so, you know, and I don't, I don't like telling artists what to do. You know, I can say, you know, like, well, this work feels very much like you should be in kids books, or this is the kind of stuff that, you know, romance is looking for. This is the stuff Mm -hmm. that would be great on space opera, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's hard to see in your own work. It's easier just having a little space, you know, have you ever thought of doing this, you know, whatever Um, kind of stuff. But um, a lot of times over and over and over again, I think one of the most common portfolio reviews when people are stuck, like really stuck, um, they're not, they've lost track of what they authentically like doing Mm. and they are not not because of some conscious idea of you know I'm going to make what's trendy and what sells Mm. and only do that it's not it's not that cut and dry but people will have internalized those voices of um 
you know, well, you're only good at, like, I see this in fantasy all the time, mm-hmm. you know, like people are like, well, you can only be a successful fantasy artist if you're an oil painter. So you mm-hmm. have to oil paint, you know, and I've, I've been through that kind of thing with a lot of artists when artists, you know, I mean, you must see it in, in work all the time. People mm-hmm. are just drawn to different mediums. So, you know, there've been so many times that I've seen, you know, somebody who loves watercolors, give me a, who does a gorgeous watercolors. And like, I see their, their sketchbooks and they're gorgeous. Um, and they're all watercolors or they're all pen, pen and ink. And then they show me a portfolio of like kind of muddy, mediocre, mm-hmm. you know, good, but eh, mm-hmm. you know, oil paintings. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck this. Let me yeah. see that sketchbook. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's the authentic voice. And there's been a couple of times and I'm not going to call them out here, but they, they mm-hmm. know who they are, but, and, and it's always nice to hear when, when, when people mention it, but like, there have been a couple of artists that, you know, I've grabbed their sketchbooks and be like, you should be doing this. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. nobody's going to buy that. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. who, who wants that. I was like, the, the, if it resonates with you, mm-hmm. it's going to resonate with somebody. It mm-hmm. might be hard to figure out where that is, but it's better to be making work that resonates and you just have to find the place that it resonates mm-hmm. with than work that doesn't resonate at mm-hmm. all. Cause if it doesn't resonate with you, it's not going to resonate with anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's when it's, I think when artists are making work that doesn't resonate with themselves, that they start to feel Mm -hmm. super stuck and super depressed and super Mm -hmm. like they're forcing it, you know, but it's hard to trust that voice that like, oh, you know, you know, everybody's telling me to do, you know, like beautiful landscape paintings. And I want to do these Mm -hmm. weird little creatures, you know, Mm -hmm. do the weird little creatures. Somebody's going to want them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a really vulnerable place to be, isn't it? You know, just being able to, you know, show you their sketchbook and then you say, do this, this is great. And that vulnerable thing, because this is my sketchbook. This is something I'm doing doing on the side, but actually you're saying it really resonates with you. Well, there's also a danger in making that commercial as well, because then it's not just for you anymore. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There's a a kind of conundrum there, isn't there? But there's something in, I think, what's coming through for me is about, again, like authenticity and vulnerability, and especially as artists, because that's exactly what it is, talking a language that's, you know, for some have has stopped at 10 years old hmm. and then yeah. continuing that. So it's, it's play. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that the hardest thing with doing art for a job is that you lose the sense of play mm. in it. Oh, and, it and whatever you can get back to that feels like playing that you've like, you know, that like book, um, whose name I can never say his name. Um, it's got a wonderful Eastern European name, but that book flow, um, mm. um, I, the, uh, I have it around here somewhere. I'm not going to get <laughs> off to like, go find it, but, um, uh, Mihaly, his first name is Mihaly, then a very long Eastern European. Oh, name, okay. Like, no, I don't, yeah, I um, know. I'll send it to you, but, uh, okay. the, the, the cover, but, uh, it's a book called flow and it's all about, and it's mm. not just about artists. It's about people who that, that sense when you like lose yourself in the mm. making, um, of something you know, whether it's a math theorem or, you know, Mm. he doesn't just do artists, but that feeling of like, you know, alpha wave or whatever Mm. it is, you know, like just, you lose time, you're just Mm. making, it's just a joyful making of something, you know, um, if you can get to that place, I've never seen it fail, although it's really hard to trust. I've never seen it fail that if an artist is making work in that place of self love, Mm. like self enjoyment, self absorption, that they're not going to, it might be hard to find the audience, but there's an audience there. And once you find that audience, it's, it's, 
you know, just devotion. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Do you know, I really exactly what you said about the play and you were saying about um, really liking Jung and that's what he's always, you know, he's talked about is play. How do we get back to play when we're interrupted and actually mm-hmm. playing where we're, when the place of where we're playing is often where the place of growth is. Mm-hmm. And it's such a difficult place, isn't it? Because there's so many um, genres that you want to fit into as an artist, as you said, you want to make money, but also what happens when we forget how to play? Mm-hmm. And you said like, Get getting that internal stuckness and that, you know, am I, I am I even any good at this? So there's, yeah. you know, and I've I've read some of your muddy colours um, before. I used to read them, and they were brilliant, and they still are. Um, <coughs> but because um, the, the tips and the advice you used to give was really fine tuned into kind of thinking about play. Hmm. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, it's um, hard to it's hard to trust, and I and I've been there myself. certainly with covers like you do what you know you can do a cover that's exactly what the editor and publisher want Mm -hmm. and what they expected but it's missing that sparkle yeah you know you gotta you gotta take a risk a bit you know um I mean and what I mean it's easier when you're in-house I think to risk a bit than when you're freelance because you know you're going to get paid for the work eventually you're going to get to something so you're you know it's a little easier knowing the salary and the benefits (laughs) are are there to like be a little risky with your your comps you know the worst thing is your publisher looks at you like you've lost your head you know like what but in the greater scheme of things you're okay I think it's it's very hard as a freelance artist because literally every piece of work you make is either money in the bank or not so you're really on the clock you know yeah Um, and and I just see people struggle under that so Mm. so much and it really affect their mental health um Mm. but um you know and I wish I and I and I love that you're doing this podcast because I think these conversations are so important um Mm. you know you asked me about my personal journey I was somebody that always had very great respect for you know therapy and psychology and you know um both of my parents worked a little bit in mental health because they both Mm. worked in family court that's where they they met um but, uh, you know, probation officers and stuff, but I always thought about it and understandably, but mistakenly, um, as something you go to in crisis Mm. and it is, Mm. but I never really thought of it as something that, um, is more. And and my friend, Mallory O'Mara, who's an author said it to me this way and it made perfect sense. Um, you know, uh, therapy should be, is like personal training, but for Mm. your brain. You know, um, and, and I, my first ther- real therapy experience was marriage counseling. I was married um, and my husband and I uh, were really good friends getting along. You know, there was no, you know, like horrible, dramatic thing. There was no mm. like cheating. There was no hatred. There was no, you know, none of those things, but it just, mm. you know, it wasn't, we just ended up wanting different things, mm. very different things in the relationship, but we were both we both cared about each other so much that we didn't want to break up mm. um, or we didn't know how to break up or, yeah. you know, like we were both stuck in that whole, like, well, you're married. That's the heavily, ha- happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. Nobody talks about what happens when the prince and the princess get sick of each other, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like want to go do different things. You know? um, so, so I ended up in, uh, we ended up in couples counseling that way. And the experience of, and again, because we hadn't gotten to the point, I, I called it in pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just helped with our communication so much. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I learned so much through that process. And he did too. And and ultimately we did eventually split up, but we still talk all the time. We're still Mm -hmm. really good friends. And it was the right, I think it was the right time and the right way to do it. um, Because we ended up getting out without hating each other, which I think a lot of people have to get to, you know, a point that they do. Um, unfortunately or whatever but I enjoyed the process so much and realized how fruitful it was not just for our marriage but for me as an individual (laughs) that I I transitioned directly into even before we finished marriage counseling um, into personal therapy Mm -hmm. and I've had a therapist ever since I've I've switched around a little bit because Mm -hmm. also like certain therapists too like can help you through certain things and then you need to move to a different one to grow on something else but um as knock on wood, and I know that it's it's a privilege and it shouldn't be. I think it should be as basic care as yeah. possibly could be, but I'm in the US, so we have enough trouble convincing people that basic yeah. physical health care should be, yeah, yeah. Given, you know, forget yeah. mental health care. <laughs> but it's getting better. And there's, you know, um, certainly things are, are more accessible now than they were um, mm. the more that we have these conversations. But as, as long as I'm able, I will be in therapy mm. forever. Mm. Like weekly therapy, clockwork you know when there's a crisis you work on a crisis when there's not a crisis that's when you get to like the good deep stuff you know absolutely and I think absolutely what you said is often it's it's when somebody feels they're in crisis mode but actually Mm -hmm. what if we were to use it as a shelf you know Mm -hmm. just to be able to rest on to be able to get the kind of that scaffolding around us Mm -hmm. um because as well as the the things that don't go right there's a lot of resilience internally that if we're guided that you know we can build on that and I think that's you know it's brilliant to hear um because that's obviously and that's why I'm trying to do these podcasts is to to demystify that that kind of conversation around mental health support and to be able to Mm -hmm. say actually you know I I think I and and I think I need some support and it's okay yeah and and even that it's not just support it's Mm. growth like Mm. um I like to think of it as like you know we say preventative care versus Mm. you know active care like when you're sick obviously go to the doctor but it's good to go to the doctor to make sure that you're you're keeping up your health Mm. but even beyond that, you go to like a personal trainer or some kind yeah. of martial art or something. Like I think of long-term therapy as like mental martial art, you know, yeah, like, absolutely. You know, like you, if you yeah. want to be like, especially for artists, I think it's so important. Like, yeah. you know, um, you're a mental health professional now. So I know that, um, you know, I, I don't know that there's a, a rule or anything, but I know that most mental health professionals, most therapists I know are also in therapy. So they yeah. can work you know, everything. Um, and I think, I honestly really think artists should be as well. Mm. Um, because again, you're like to loop back around, like your, your, your job is to dunk yourself in your own mental health mess over and Mm. over and over again and beyond yours. Also the collective unconscious is, Mm. I mean, that's what an artist is. You're really the conduit between, you know, the collective (laughs) unconscious and, and whatever you're making. That's, the fucking tough it's like being an interpreter isn't it it's like interpreting other people's needs and ideas but also your own as you said your own stuff is in there yeah and that's Um, what's been so fascinating to me like and I've written a couple of muddy colors articles about it just just my interest in it I'm certainly not a professional this is the the interesting thing that comes up to me is I have uh, schizophrenia in my family. Mm. Um, I also have, you know, anxiety and depression and all those, like, like, like many families do. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I found a quote 
I think it was Joseph Campbell. It might've been young, but same, same train. Um, but uh, I think it was Joseph Campbell said um, the artist swims where the schizophrenic drowns. Oh, um, and I think that it was so telling. And there was a study I read, I think it was a Swiss study or Swedish study, um, long-term study about not just the people who are, cause they've been doing so many studies about whether schizophrenia is genetic. There's a genetic mm. component to schizophrenia. Mm. Um, and I, and I think there must be, cause you can see it travel through families. So yeah, see it mm. travel through my own family, but, mm. um, the, they actually track the members of the family that are not, uh, actively, uh, diagnosed schizophrenic, mm. um, and, tracked how many members in that family uh are also artists or creatives when i say mm. artists i mean mm. authors writers mm. musicians what the whole umbrella creative yeah, yeah. makers of things yeah. um and there was something like a 70 percent higher than the normal population of members of the family that are not I, and then again i would want to go sh- quote this study specifically again but but so i don't want to say numbers but um there, there's there's a connection there mm. you know the ability to um tap into that subconscious mm. uh can can make you an artist mm. or you know in in other times and other cultures it could make you a shaman it could make you mm. a healer it could make mm. you you know all of those things um the uh but if you are overwhelmed by it then that's that's when you drown in it yeah you know so so artists are trying to doggy paddle in this sea of the subconscious all the time and nobody's giving them swimmies (laughs) yeah (laughs) or floats yeah absolutely right right so you're just frantically trying not to drown um and i think therapy is just a swimmies yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. is that what you call them in the uk you know the little inflatable yeah, things on coats, kids arms yeah. 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 Bands. yeah just to keep you floating and it's so funny actually lauren it made me think of a time when i was in the swimming pool and i've always struggled with water from a very young age because of a childhood experience being thrown in the water by the swimming teacher mm-hmm. And I remember exactly as you're saying, like trying to swim, my arms were going, my legs were going, I was absolutely exhausted. I got about two feet in the water. I was really working hard. And then this voice in my head just kind of said, just stop, you'll float. Yeah. You're mostly made up of water. Just stop. <laughs> just stop. You, you know, you'll just be okay. Chill, yeah. And I did, I let go. And it was just, and I think that's what's coming to me in that thing, as you, you've said, is about where is that part where as an artist, they can just let go mm-hmm. and let go of all of that, um, all of that other stuff going on and really start to play in, in their unconscious and in yeah. that space. And um because well, oh, if you're gosh. drowning, it's really hard yeah. to play. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's not feeling like play. It's feeling yeah. like having to survive. And, of course, that will then tap into a lot of the the childhood experience. Oh, yeah. If there's any trauma, you know, we're, we're kind of, you know, I, I did a, I, I, don't, I think I have, I've done a little um, a conversation around, we call it, well, it's called the polyvagal. So it kind mm-hmm. of talks about the different, you mm-hmm. know, stages of, of the, the, the system. The nervous system and then of course then if we're we're doing this as work and it's tapping into some way that we survived it's going to be constantly isn't it constantly on alert yeah feeling like yeah. you're on alert and never being able to to play well also when you when creativity is your work 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and this goes back to, and I, and I don't have, you know, clinical background or anything like this for this, but I, I deeply believe through my own experience and just about every other artist I've ever talked to, mm-hmm. um, I believe that art making the difference between an artist and, and, and somebody who becomes an artist and somebody who becomes, and again, artist being an umbrella term for mm-hmm. creative mm-hmm. folk. Um, mm-hmm. I think the business world has really like stolen the world creative and made it like buzzwordy. It's so, like, I <laughs> like all creatives, but um, so I just say artists, but um, the, uh, I think all art making starts as all artists start as a form of self-therapy mm-hmm. in childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, yeah, on top of that, you get praised for things and then you keep doing them and, and mm-hmm. that's part of it. But I think that initial, um, art making, and it's so far back and we're so young when it mm-hmm. happens, that mm-hmm. is, it's hard to, to, to know, but, um, I think it, it's, it's a form of self-therapy. It's working through something. And, and certainly mm-hmm. for a lot of artists and myself, I know, like you say, mm-hmm. um, the entire realm of arts therapy is based on how therapeutic art making is. Yeah. <clears throat> when you are using that art making for work, then what is your therapy? Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh gosh. Honestly. Art, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that's why, you know, I'm so keen with with Ian to have this conversation around the soul sketchbook that he talked mm-hmm. about, because I think um, having a, a having your own personal way to explore and, and as you said, and sometimes actually that can accidentally become something that's really resonating with someone yeah. else. And then there's that fine yeah. line between, oh, do I share it? Do I keep it for myself? Right. But also there can be a freedom in that space Mm -hmm. but certainly in a space where we're you know I've often found when I'm struggling is just as I said hit my journal pages and pages of just playing and mess making not thinking about where it needs to go where it needs to sit what words needs to be there and just that unconscious process just to be able to let some of that steam off yeah I've actually stolen um something from because like I said a lot of the portfolio reviews become almost like therapy sessions mm. you know? um even though I'm not in any way a, a, you know but coaching is really um so uh I've stolen something that I learned from reading art therapy books which says you know like because I was very interested in like how do you do arts therapy on artists mm. and it's kind of a murky topic because it's hard to get them out of their, yeah. their conscious yeah. because most yeah lay people who are not art makers um, can tap into kind of that play mm-hmm. or that subconscious yeah. more easily because they're not, they don't have as loud that like self-judge critic because mm-hmm. it hasn't been work, mm-hmm. but how do you get an artist to get past that? You know, and as you say, like some things are the sketchbooks or, mm-hmm. you know, the playtime or, or like the, you try and not judge. But um, the other way that I, I found has worked really well with some folks is uh, in myself is to switch mediums on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if you've always been a painter, sculpt or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this is where I think craft has been very helpful too, because I've seen artists get very, very, very into craft, a certain craft. 
knitting, mm-hmm. photography, mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. you know, something completely unrelated to what they do, mm-hmm. except that it's also creative mm-hmm. art making, but they can, they can subvert that like self-judge, you know, mm-hmm. and then God help them if they start, like if they turn it into an Etsy shop or something, because then the process just <laughs> yeah. starts again. And I've seen that happen too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> usually <laughs> personal you. projects will come out of that quote unquote hobby because, you know, you're bringing the same uh, quality of, of, yeah. of art making and quality of thought and quality of eye mm. to whatever hobby thing you're doing so people mm. eventually like want mm. some um but you know you have to like almost keep ahead of the, the yeah. commercialness of it you yeah know? absolutely it's like, real... I can't sculpt for shit so but like I love playing with you know if I'm with any little kid I go straight for like their play-doh play-doh you know <laughs> yeah absolutely and there's so many sensory qualities about medium like clay and mm-hmm. play-doh because it's tapping into some you know early experiences of touch mm-hmm. of, of being a very very young child and that touch and I often say you know things like clay and play-doh they're the mediums that ask the least mm. from you but then they'll give you so much more in return because yeah. you're kind of really really playing well I think I, too there's so many artists um especially us we were we're designers you know that's Mm -hmm. almost completely computer but yeah um part of starting the gallery with mark was encouraging artists that we work with um who work almost exclusively digitally Mm. to start trying physical mediums because a just from a business point of view like if you make uh and and some people listening to this podcast might not know that but if you're commissioned say for a book cover as an illustrator if you make it digitally that's great you know maybe you can you 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 give the file to the the book cover company you know the book company um but you also retain the rights to sell prints of it or whatever use whatever you want depending on the contract whatever Mm. but if you made if you painted it physically made an oil painting or watercolor drawing whatever Mm. out of it um you can then also sell that piece of art so if you work traditionally you get paid twice which Mm. is great for Mm. artists Um, But also, you know, since we were starting this outlet for artists to be able to start selling work online that doesn't usually find itself in brick and mortar galleries, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like, do the sketch for it, at least physically Mm -hmm. or things like that. Um, This comes up a lot in like magic cards or like gaming art or things. A lot of those things are done digitally because... Mm you know, they're, they're very quick turnarounds, you know, not necessarily a lot of money, things like that, but um, artists who can do them traditionally then get to sell the sketches, they get to sell mm-hmm. the originals, there's much more process to share on social media, things like that. So, you know, although it doesn't matter to my work process, whether somebody, whatever medium somebody works in, I mean, I've hired model makers, I've hired all kinds yeah. of things, but um, if you, if you work physically, I think it not only pays you twice, but it also, there's something about making something with your hands mm-hmm. as an artist that is it's it's just it's just not the same on the computer it's too mm-hmm. heady in the computer you need to like mm-hmm. like I don't think there's Being ever going to the be material yeah I don't think there's ever going to be like art therapy in photoshop you know <laughs> although <laughs> you know what we've been um we've been challenged in this this time yeah. and space of how to use even just zoom as a, my supervisor said to me uh, why don't you think of using zoom as a material because mm-hmm. I was really conflicted how do we do this how do we do this and then actually thinking about this this space this box is play you know and actually mm-hmm. trying to try to connect so we'd be and people can't see what I'm doing but you know I'm putting my hands out to try and connect to you know Lauren in yeah the making it a physical and, box, and play yeah. yeah and actually the movement and stuff and actually um 
a lot of the stuff is sometimes digital. Mm-hmm. You know, some some play with that a little bit, play with it a little bit too. Um, because I teach uh I teach at NYU's grad school in their mm. publishing program and I teach design to people who are in that program who are not going to be designers because usually Mm. designers go through art school they don't Mm. go through you know NYU Mm. Uh, although a couple do but um, usually it's people who are going to be in marketing or editorial Mm. or production or things like Mm. that other other departments but I think that and the program feels that it's so important to know how to interact properly with the art Mm. department that that I run like a little class that's you know seven sessions Mm. um, and it's you know kind of how to deal with the art department without driving them completely fucking mm. insane. Um, you know, and also like, it's good for you. It's good for them. Let's, yeah. let, this is how learn artists language. Yeah, let's learn the language. language. But I force them to make a lot of art in the mm. process because you can't, if you've never been judged for your creative output, mm. then you don't know what it feels like to have to your heart ripped apart yeah, in a fucking absolutely. critique. Like yeah, you've been yeah. through art school. I've been through art school. We know yeah. what it's like to put your work up on the board, even if it was for an assignment and get it critiqued and ripped apart. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you develop that skin to be able to separate yourself from it. Not too much it skin. Hurts. Cause then you can't make art, yeah, but you know, just, just the right amount of skin. Yeah. But a lot of the students in this program have never had that experience. Mm. So without being mean about it, you know, I have to take them through those seven weeks, what it feels mm-hmm. like to make pieces, what it feels like to be forced to be creative on command. I make them do mm-hmm. assignments in class on the spot. You know, you don't get to take it home and come mm, back. Have to think about it. It. You got to do yeah. it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this year I taught remotely for the first time. Like, how do you do that? You know, how do you force mm. people like so some of it was, you know, I would email them worksheets and then they do them and hold them up to the screen or, mm-hmm. you know, and, but there were some like even just putting elements in a Google page and they had to arrange them into what mm-hmm. they felt was a book cover, things like mm-hmm. that. But it's hard. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's been, uh, and we're still learning, still learning, even like digital sand trays, you know, where people can actually mm. use a sand tray, but digitally. Um, and, you know, the thing that I, I shared more recently about the blackout poetry. Yeah. I and then like that. being able, yeah, I mean, that again is a whole different way of playing. I have to send you a link. I don't know if you know her, uh, Vanessa Lemon, L-E-M-E-N. Yeah is an artist, uh, a very good friend. She does gorgeous, gorgeous work. Um, She has, I think it's the Book of Kells, Mm. um, but she got a beautiful copy of an old book. I think she found it in a a, uh, vintage store or something. Mm. And she's been turning the book into a sketchbook, but in that way, so she'll pick out words and paint around, I think it's oil paint, but oil paint Mm. around them. Mm. So it's almost blackout poetry. Yeah. 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 I'll send you the link. It's gorgeous. But for anybody listening, Vanessa Lemon, L-E-M-E-N is the artist. If you Google, it'll come up, but um, I will put that in the show. I mean, you can't call it blackout (laughs) poetry anymore because it's so you know gorgeous but you know but the thing it's is, the same concept about, yeah. yeah I think what it is 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 the way I've kind of found it is that you know just unconsciously picking out words mm. and then um playing with those words I mean what I'll often do is then we'll start in the chat box mm-hmm. and just pick out the words that have been highlighted and then use those in in random form 
and then create yeah. another poet poem from that and then from that we'll then mix up the words again and then so it's an ongoing way of playing yeah, i just want to make a date now with you to do a blackout poetry <laughs> session <laughs> let's do it let's do yeah. it honestly it yeah. is absolutely you know we're working online we're working with our, our materials around us because that for me was often a way to to kind of sort of settle into a space putting out the materials and yeah. you know breathing into the space and then you know holding the space and then of course then there's mess making smelling where, the art materials. yeah there's a real you know sense of being present mm-hmm. and so now how do we do that in this really detached way as you said you know how do we create that presence for each other knowing that we're we're both you know in the same space like here with us and as you said let's let's create this space to play and that is a way to be able to be totally present with each other because it's there's nothing else there's just that playing and just that and, yeah loud cat in the corner I can, <laughs> <laughs> in the background he's been chasing nobody you can't see this because it's on it'll be audio only but i no filled up his treat kitten. ball he's got like a puzzle ball that you fill with treats and he's got to bat it around and he he's been, quiet I've been watching him. he's been batting Just it around for ages. <laughs> and as it really makes me think about that present moment play mm-hmm. that is just completely not you know sort of overwhelmed with anything else but just these focuses on getting those treats and (laughs) playing and he's you know and that about and how do we create that for ourselves um and that's really honestly what you're you're talking about it is play and even with the other departments teaching them another language to learn how to play learn how to have a conversation with an artist and I think you know just jumping right back to the beginning as you said one of the things that isn't taught is marketing, is mm. about selling, is about invoicing. And that can feel like there's you've only know some of the language. You don't have all of the skills. You don't have all of the language. Well, we're also taught all <laughs> this bullshit from culture that like, oh, well, real artists don't don't sell themselves or you know yeah, like if, you, I mean, if art has a price on it then it's yeah. somehow sullied like you know like van gogh yeah. was didn't need to put bread on the table i mean that's yeah. a whole i mean you want to talk yeah. about the whole problems in artists and then also like look at the artists that are culturally not just within art but outside of art think of like the most famous artists van gogh mm-hmm. mental health mm. mental health nightmare you know um you know the lord byron's and the Mm. the the bad boy artists and the caravaggios and michelangelo you know the ones that were just fucked up and we tell artists this we give artists this narrative about how um you need to to access that subconscious through Mm. pain through drugs Mm -hmm. through depression Mm -hmm. through anxiety um and I think it does such a disservice to artists because Mm -hmm. they're afraid that if they look too closely at how their mental health works Mm -hmm. like like it's magic that'll disappear they won't Mm -hmm. be able to do it if they look at the you know the the gears you know and I and I find that pushback from a lot of artists even talking about going to therapy they're like well I don't you know like it works now like if I look too closely at it Mm. and I was like well if you look too closely at it maybe you'll figure out how it works and you can just have it you know you know where to stick the WD-40 you know (laughs) yeah yeah there can be so much resistance and I think often it's because 
it's unknown it's fear yeah what what happens when I dive in and I was doing another recording earlier on with someone else and we were talking about you know even as a practitioner now and having to have you know and I'm still in therapy and I still will be for many years because like yourself for me it's that scaffolding Mm -hmm. and it's my my time in the week where I can uncover unfold and unfurl you know, things that somebody else is shining a light on. And I'm going, oh, my God, I didn't know that. I didn't even see that. Oh, shit. Now I know. Well, you can't. It's just yeah. patterns. I mean, the same yeah. thing that I do to people's work in portfolio reviews, just having the distance to see the pattern. Yeah. It's not that I'm such an expert at seeing patterns. It's just that I'm just seeing them from a helicopter yeah. and they're seeing them from the ground. Yeah. It's the same thing with therapy. Like, I mean, talking yeah. about childhood patterns and things like that. Yeah. Like you yeah. can't see that. You need somebody yeah. that's like, Hey, so you did that thing with your boss that you did with your parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and exactly what you said about being often we're on the path, but we're so close to the map. You can't see, but when you zoom out, you've yeah. got more of the, you know, the area and the more kind of land to be able to see what it was. Um, Oh God, I forgot what I was going to say, but I mean, no, sorry. I'm, no it's because I'm so excited about our conversation. that It's like, Oh my, my brain is going, <laughs> things are sparking and firing off. I know, but I know. It's, I think honestly, it's it's quite it's such an important conversation to have, you know. And again, you know, it's a saying about, as you said, you know, not knowing how to market, not knowing. And I think a lot of that is true for anyone in any profession. And I see a lot of that for self-employed art therapists as well, because mm-hmm. in that in our space, we're kind of you know, hold yourself back, be um, an observer, you know, don't don't make yourself, but actually, again, at the same time, we're Mm self-employed. And actually, not only that is, is we want to break down the the kind of demystify the the thing about reaching for mental health support, because not everybody will be able to access it through in in the UK through the National Health Service. There's a lot of community-based work that could be done, which Mm -hmm. requires funding. Or social media. I've been really yeah. fascinated, especially this year in lockdown, seeing how many um, on Instagram, like mm. how much like mental health outreach. And again, okay. like take money to even taking money out of the equation, because that always makes mm. it murky. People go into your profession to help people. Mm. You don't become an arts therapist because it's the super, you know, like a giant money maker. You yeah. know, like you go into it because you want to help people also feed yourself, but help people. Um, and so many people don't have access to mm. seeing a therapist every week or mm. having the resources to have private sessions. So it's, I've been, I've been finding it really fascinating and, and really nice to see just even on Instagram, how many, mm. um, how much really good advice and, and mental health tidbits yeah. really like bite-sized tidbits. And it's yeah. not even just for people who can't afford it. It's for people that aren't ready to go see a therapist or, mm. or even know how to think about it. Maybe somebody, you know, sees great therapy things on Instagram for a year and mm. uses the little tips and then says, yeah. oh, well, that that really helped. Maybe maybe yeah. there's something to this therapist stuff. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I see it as outreach, you know, it's like almost yeah. evangelism. Absolutely. And, I, I, and in addition to what you were saying about helping people, you know, it wasn't until much later on that I, th- I realized, actually, it's also about healing our own wounds, you know we've got wounds that we need healing so we go into you know this profession and actually we're constantly healing our wounds Mm -hmm. and that's then becomes that cycle where you know um I I said this earlier on with someone else about for me working 
um, with anyone. It's more of a collaboration than a, you know, a kind of difference between me being therapist then, but it's actually a collaboration because actually I'm learning um, from them as much as, you know, yeah, absolutely. There's a, there's such a, a lovely exchange. And so when you were saying about, you know, you're not an art therapist, but that coaching that you're giving is so vital because it's, it's true. It's authentic, and it's it's lived. It's it's an experience that you know. Yeah, but, the, but the 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 bit of authority that you do have, even if it's just the authority of study or the authority of knowledge, is helpful because there's so many times that I tell somebody something, mm. looking at their work, mm. you know, like oh, it looks like you should go into this, or it looks like you really enjoyed that, or whatever whatever response I have to it, they'll say yes that's how I felt. And I was like, well, why didn't you do it? And they're like, well, what do I know? Mm. You know, they need, they need somebody to say it to them. Or, I mean, it goes back to uh, sometimes, cause also like I'm friends with a lot of art directors. We're seeing the same people a lot of the times, especially in a small community, like yeah. fantasy art, yeah. you know, yeah. and sometimes it'll take, you know, art directors, what do we talk about artists, you know, like we're all gossip mongers and, and we really do, again, you don't become an art director because you want to make a ton of money either, but um, we really do cheer for the artists that are coming through and are new and growing and developing. And when people get through a breakthrough, we kind of all talk about it and just, you know, yeah. together, you know, whatever, but yeah. sometimes the same artist will go to three or four different art directors in a world where there's conventions, but, you know, mm-hmm. talk to three or four different art directors over a year or two years or whatever. And um, it won't be until the fourth person says the same thing, mm-hmm. just a little bit differently that it clicks, mm-hmm. you know, and they're like, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> like you need yeah, to hear it that yeah, way, yeah. you know, and you can't say it to yourself. I mean, that's what I feel friends are for too, especially like your best girlfriends. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can't take your own advice. You don't have the perspective. So you need your friends to tell you your advice back at you. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's, it's something about, uh, in fact, when you said about me reading out your bio back to you is hearing it, hearing it and feeling heard and sort of, you know, being understood. And like mm. you said, your friends to be able to go, hang on a minute, I'm zoomed out now. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, hang on, stop. There's a no no entry sign on there, you know, hang on, stop. And I think the, I also have just, I, I don't know if it's a female thing or not, but I think like my closest female friendships are, are, are half therapy. Relationships yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah <so>. absolutely. <laughs> and I think there's so many relationships that are, mm. you know, in different ways. Um, and actually when we think of it that way, then, yeah, I mean, going to therapy should be no problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> just right, right, right. <laughs> and I think, I think it's um, especially in this year of lockdown, but but yeah. all the time, but especially in this year, you know, I think we're suffering. And we were talking about that before we started recording, just mm-hmm. struggling to connect with people in a more uh, more than just the superficial mm-hmm. like you know way the check. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so much of this year have been like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you in crisis? No, you're good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like all of the resources, even in my own friend group or work, you know, have been put on what's on fire mm-hmm. and what's the worst and biggest fire, mm-hmm. you know? So all of the connection that's just so critical, but not on fire mm-hmm. is, has really degraded this year. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, that like casual strengthening of bonds and, you yeah. know, um, 
we've all been, and understandably so, I don't think we could do anything else, but focus on what's on fire sometimes literally yeah. if you're in California, yeah. but yeah, um, Gosh, yeah, that was, yeah. you know, um, this year has been so much on fire for so many reasons. Um, and I, and again, there's nothing else we could do. We only have so many hours in the day and so much attention, but I think mm-hmm. once we're past this, I think so much work is going to have to be done to mm-hmm. repair those connections just, and just within ourselves too. Like we're all mm-hmm. going to be agoraphobic mm-hmm. when we get out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's really funny. Even in my dreams, I don't know if you get this, but if I'm surrounded by people, my in my dream, I'm thinking, get back from me because you've not got a yeah. mask on. <laughs> I just started seeing masks in my dreams. Finally. Oh, wow. Yeah, people okay. are, some, some dreams, and I don't remember all my dreams, obviously, but like yeah. some people are wearing, there are dreams that people have masks on now. Wow. It's like weird because you're starting to see it on TV now too. Like enough has been, yeah. you know, like we're not news, obviously, but like actual creative. Yeah. Yeah. people have masks on in them because it's part of the yeah. you know, consciousness or whatever but yeah. it's, it's weird when it shows up in your dreams like it's yeah. imprinted itself you know? absolutely and as you said you know when this situation changes there's going to be another shift how do we get to feeling safe again without the masks and mm-hmm. you know without the kind of the, the, the restrictions and 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 then letting go again and it is a, it's a real challenge um and even going back to to being in the same environment with clients mm-hmm. you know yeah, being in a room really. and yeah absolutely it's, yeah. it's kind of a challenge I think there's going to be some really good things that that have come out of it too that we're going to see over time mm. um especially being a person that uh you know was very much in a nine to five go to the office commute kind of job mm. I'm not I don't think that those most of those jobs are going to go back to the same exact yeah. rigid way and I think that's good yeah. especially for art people working mm. in corporate environments because we've been pushing at those boundaries to be more flexible for a long mm. time. And I think, uh, you know, there was always a great fear from, you know, the management level that, you that know, it well, wasn't if, if I can't see people working, how <laughs> yeah. do I know that they're working? I'm like, they'll work harder if we're not watching them. And it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because actually it's worked really well. It has really worked well. So there's nothing really almost to say that too, it can't. Almost too well. Like, I'm glad everything's moving. But even in, I don't know, there's been a lot of conversation that, like, uh, like I hate the, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's too much pandemic productivity talk. Mm, like, mm. you know, well, you were in pandemic for a year. How did you not lose 50 pounds? And, you know, oh, can gosh. lift a, a, a bus and like homeschooled your child and, yeah. you know, like raised the, raised the pet and taught it to do tricks and yeah. you know, came out with seven personal projects ready to launch, like, you know, and 10 scripts, like all of my yeah. author friends feel like the pressure. Oh, They're like, well, God. you're home. You should have written extra books. Yeah. Like, I mean, also we're home and we're just trying to survive. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're in survival mode. And I think that's so honest. I'm really glad you said that, Lauren, because there is this whole pressure of, um, you know, when we first went into lockdown last March, we made a list. We made a huge oh, yeah. list in the family, what we were going to do. We were going to rearrange the house. We were yeah. gonna, we've done nothing. Yeah, <laughs> but you haven't done nothing. You've survived. We've survived. Absolutely. And a lot nothing. of nothing. Yeah. In the face of a lot of people not surviving yeah you know like this is not a joke you know I mean absolutely and survival in the U.S. would like to say that it is but 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 it's true we're just survival takes a lot of energy yeah you know and actually wearing every single hat in one place 
your work hat, your mum hat, your wife hat, your, your boyfriend hat, your girlfriend, whatever it is, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, well, I think like Maslow's like, hierarchy yeah, hierarchy needs, needs that. Like, just, needs like a pandemic yeah, column yeah. somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, 100%. And I think I've seen one um, that's kind of based on where we are now about actually just need to, to find self care. Yeah. as the basic need mm-hmm. and really tap into that because we're forgetting that we need that mm-hmm. you know we're forgetting how much we need the self-care and and even more of a struggle for artists that using art to earn money and actually that could also be self-care yeah yeah <laughs> it's absolutely. a real, I mean, real paradox you know not not tmi too much information but like it would be too personal but like my last therapy session was about how to find self-care in a world where all of the things that I used to do for self-care were outside of my house yeah except my sketchbook which again is complicated because Mm -hmm. it is art making and art making for me is 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 tied into so many things it's yeah it's hard because it's social it's uh commercial it's Mm. personal it's you know so much so so when I need like a real basic self-care thing it it Mm. almost can't be art because it's Mm. too complicated you know Mm. um so like you can only read so many books yeah yeah yeah. it's really funny I've been tapping into self-care even by um getting a cup of tea and drinking it in in five ten minutes of just peace and noticing and just noticing really help yeah absolutely um yeah sorry I mean no 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 absolutely you're you're saying rituals are really helpful yeah and I think you know we were talking um I love conversations like this because it's, it's like a, you're driving down a highway and there's so many offerings you can take and sometimes you get off and then you get back on and then you get with the other one, you know, it's a sign of a good conversation. There's like seven tabs open and you got to keep going back. (laughs) Um, My safari's uh, going to shut down in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the, uh, we were talking about the subconscious and how do you access that and the the Mm -hmm. unconscious art making and, and, you know, playing and the materials and everything. And, and I think there's a lot of overlap with, like another interest of mine, which is um, going to sound woo woo, but I'll explain. But like, mm. like all of, I, I'm fascinated by all of the old divination mm. tactics, mm. not, not the intestinal ones, those are gross, but um, not, no sacrificing of animals, but I mean, <laughs> you know, like tarot cards, tea mm. leaves, all of those things, um, because it's, it's just a Rorschach test. It's the same mm. thing. Mm. it's like we were talking about the the blackout poetry Mm. it's really a divination technique Mm. it's it's like a word search but Mm. you know what's the first word you see Mm. you know it's um your sub it's giving your subconscious a a platform to be let out of the cage Mm. for just a minute you know and let and you're you're conscious like standing back and saying like okay go for it what what do you see Mm. you know and i um I try to meditate every morning. Sometimes it gives them a um, busy you know, life, but, um, but I try to pull a tarot card every morning um, mm-hmm. because not because I believe in the prophetic abilities. Although if you talk, I think like a lot of the, the prophetic side of divination was like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. It's a whole nother podcast. But, um, <laughs> but I think the, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a Venn diagram here that I think we've been playing and speaking of play. It's one circle is art making, one circle is therapy, and one circle is is the subconscious and magic mm. and all of those mm. things, you know, like quote unquote magic. Mm. Um, and I think it's all the same thing. You're just, 
it's just different ways of getting into that sub- subconscious, you mm-hmm. know, all of the divination, all of the magical stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which borders on a lot of the religious stuff. And, you know, I was talking to my boyfriend the other day about, cause our cat has been doing this thing where, where he keeps sucking on his own tail. Like he's sucking oh, on his thumb okay. and he, he'll spin to get it in like exactly there. It almost seems like he gets looped, like stuck in a loop. And he looks mm. like one of the whirling dervishes, which was a religious <laughs> ecstatic mm. thing. You know, um, but but all of those, uh, it's the same thing. It's like, how do you get into flow? It's like this altered state of consciousness, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, and I think all of those divination techniques, meditation, mental health practices, self-care, it's all trying to access the same thing, you know, um, th- through different pathways. But Sorry, you have somebody wind out you okay. get my attention. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> I have a cat, you have a person with the window. Yeah. Hopefully it's someone you know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> But no, actually, you know what? You're, it, it it kind of struck me as is 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 present moment again. You know that, uh, as you said, the divination of like what can you see, mm-hmm. and that the unconscious comes through, and it's in that present moment where it can play, mm-hmm. and it can create. And I think you know even um, you know you're saying pulling tarot cards, and it, it's I'll show you. I have they're not tarot cards, but they're just like sort of mm-hmm. artist card things yeah Yeah, Yeah. and actually every now and again I'll pull one of them out because I I just need something to to kind of hold me Mm -hmm. I need a hug and I need it to be held and I think that's actually what it feels like or something to respond to yeah I mean you're a designer you know the same as I do like some of the most Mm -hmm. fun easiest jobs are the ones with where you're given a lot of constrictions you're like Mm -hmm. only two color you know you can only use fonts no pictures you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. those are the most fun you know <laughs> oh gosh it's really funny um oh it's really fun talking to you as you said Lauren. it feels <laughs> like the conversations i don't even know how long we've been talking um so we know why you're in the field that you're in because that was my other question you know oh. <laughs> brought you to the field because yeah, we've yeah. kind of almost dissected it all but actually you know thinking about where the growth has been in that field starting mm-hmm. off as an art director then becoming like an art director coach and then really diving into the mental health for artists um so uh, what is your latest project are you allowed um, to speak about it or is there something that we should probably- well I mean <laughs> besides making sure all the books come out <laughs> yeah kidding. it's a challenge isn't it um yeah I think uh w- we've been trying to figure out at least on the, the the personal side the drawn and drafted project we've been trying to figure out how to how to recreate those portfolio review situations virtually mm, mm. Um, and it's been very hard to figure out a platform and then of course like is it paid is it not paid is it free is it not and there's we're working out bugs so hopefully that's coming if you go to drawndrafted.com you can get yeah. on the newsletter and you'll hear about it but um and it won't just be sci-fi fantasy it would be you know mm pretty much all the art directors that I'm friends with first and then beyond. Yeah. Um, but advertising, publishing, editorial, things like that. But um, because I think that portfolio review, like you said, coaching session kind of mm. thing is very important because you need that perspective on your work. Mm. Um, and there's not a lot of ways to get it from, from reputable people online. There's mm. a lot of people that you sell all kinds of crazy expertise online that they're yeah. not qualified to do. But. Yeah. And I think especially at the moment where there's so much, um, disconnection because often as an artist you'll be working very solitary mm-hmm. and you'll be working very you know in your yeah. own space in your own head and so to have that connection again will be really really vital well I talked to an artist the other day who's um 
obviously I see like all the books coming out in sci-fi fantasy, mm-hmm. not just my own. And sometimes an artist that I've worked with will do something great for someone else. And I'll email them. I'll be like, that piece was amazing. Like, oh, like yeah. bravo. Um, like I'm jealous because it wasn't for me. But <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. But good on you. And the artist in this particular case um, texted me back and said, oh, I hate that piece. Oh, you, wow. you must be crazy. And I was like, and I, I said, you have to call me. And, and they called me and I, and I talked through what was so great about that piece. And mm-hmm. it was all they could see was there was a piece of anatomy that was a little wonky in mm-hmm. it. And I agree. It was a little mm-hmm. wonky, but everything that it did, um, you know, all the things that we care about in book covers, you know, activating mm-hmm. the right target audience, revealing enough of the story to interest people, like all of the other things mm-hmm. that I consider more important than whether the perspective of the elbow is right. Um, was was so great see now you have a cat in the background yeah she's <laughs> trying to get out actually she's been scratching at the door to yeah. and now she's climbing up to the woods I might have to let her out in a minute yeah. um anyway um the uh sorry for folks just listening you can <laughs> yes, you can't see which we've got we've got a little bit of a cat thing going on in my studio to each other soon um <laughs> But, uh, but I talked through why, cause, cause they weren't even going to put it in their portfolio. And I thought it was the best piece they had done in years. Yeah. Um, and, and I explained to them why I thought it was so good. And, and they were like, thank you for telling me that. Like, I can see what you see in it now. And I never really thought about that because you're so in deep, you know, mm-hmm. to it. So, and often that can be the place where you get stuck that you just cannot see further than. Yeah. So we're trying to, we're trying to, to figure out how to do that. Cause I think even in a world that's not pandemic, not everybody can get to conventions, not anybody, you know, so, so just opening up that ability to reach art directors um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. And and not just art directors, but pros who are teaching and things like that. Um, and then uh, as far as Orbit goes, I mean, there's always projects in the works that I can <laughs> yeah. talk about. Um, we've been having a lot of fun doing, um, we've been publishing the Witcher books for many years. So, oh, you know, wow. now that the Witcher was on Netflix, it became like a giant thing and people are yeah. really, it's fun when people, um, and it usually happens when a movie adaptation or a TV adaptation happens, you know, so many more people who are not just in sci-fi fantasy mm. Uh, you know, come across the the material and they're like, this is really great. I'm like, yeah, I know. What do you think I'm doing over here? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It suddenly Um, becomes more accessible, doesn't it, to (laughs) the audience? Yeah. And it's, it's very fun. And I mean, it's been so wonderful to see uh, Nora Jemison's new books do so well. And like, Mm. she got the MacArthur Genius Grant Award and things like that. I mean, Mm. she's just, it's, it's, we've always published her since her first book. So it's, it's, been re- and I've done all of her covers so it's been really really wow. special to to kind of be along on that on that journey on that journey yeah, yeah absolutely um Lauren I can't remember did you share a favorite quote you did say something and I didn't write it oh down. <laughs> you know? I um I the quote you have one <laughs> I have I'm looking at my sketchbook for the people that can't see <laughs> I I'm a big collector of quotes so I could probably pick yeah um uh I mean there's there's so many the one I had said before is and I'm not sure I think it's Joseph Campbell um the uh the artist swims where the schizophrenic drowns oh that was what yeah um but that's maybe a little too you know in the nerd uh psychology kind of stuff um so uh thought it is definitely food for thought I mean I keep a couple of favorite ones at the beginning of my sketchbook so um 
a good one that I think is probably good for our conversation is a Miles Davis quote. And he said, don't fear mistakes. There are none. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Don't Um, fear mistakes. There are none. And I think that's, oh, that's so, because we can judge, can't we? Even like that little thing that you were saying about somebody thinking, oh my gosh, that anatomy wasn't right. Yeah, yeah becoming the thing that actually yeah. that's not it's not a big deal let's, let's not a big move deal. through it yeah, yeah yeah and sometimes the biggest I mean there's a lot of conversation about failure or not failure or whatever like there there's only failure if you stop trying yeah you know or you stop moving um and then the one that I always put at the front of my my sketchbooks I'm a big Anais Nin fan mm. um and it's life shrinks or expands in relation to one's courage wow I'm writing it down. Life <laughs> and again, I, I since I copy these from sketchbook to sketchbook, there might be a little bit of phrasing, like a the or something. You know, like, so maybe like <laughs> become a little bit lower. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm copying, I realized recently there's a there's a Aldous Huxley quote that I very much like that I I copy in the beginning of each of my sketchbooks, and I I changed it subconsciously as I was copying it. Once um, I changed the gender of of oh uh, wow conversation so like the quote was for every traveler who has any taste of his own the only useful guidebook is the one they them that they the one he himself has written mm-hmm. and then a couple of sketchbooks back I changed it to they so for every traveler uh-huh. who has any taste of their own the only useful guidebook is the one they themselves have written and I didn't mean to mm. I just I mean I'm a lady and I, it's my book and I go screw yourself. I mean, of course, at the time, you know, the default pronoun was always much more firmly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I didn't like it. So it's not necessarily accurate. Well, <laughs> so I, think, <clears throat> I think that's the nice thing about quotes, though, isn't it? We kind of, we can change and adapt them to, to need for our, our own needs, because we're hearing yeah. what we need to hear. Well, what's funny, too, is there's a lot of uh, misquotes that have gotten mm. so ingrained in culture. I think there's like a hundred things that Einstein supposedly said that he said none of them. Really? You know, like oh, that wow. people share. Because there's all those like, like quote Chinese quotes, whispers. Like, yeah, like, like <laughs> you Google like a quote and all these quote inspirational like Pinterest quotes come up. Um, and some of them actually aren't right. So you have to be careful. Them. <laughs> I try to double check in Bartlett's quotation. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's useful to, to make check. sure yeah <laughs> oh especially if God. I'm like writing a, an article or a paper or something yeah, I want to get yeah. it right yeah absolutely to make sure it's right yeah. <laughs> because it's so easy isn't it to, as you said it, well you're not even conscious of doing it yeah yeah absolutely okay are you ready um for a quick fire round yes I am ready okay um texting or talking Am I allowed to say both? I think as a yeah. graphic designer, like I, I do enjoy the visual nature of text and mm. I do play with that a lot. I do a lot of like emojis, but not like, <laughs> yeah. not like a teenager. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but, but for real intimate conversations, talking. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. Favorite color? Green. I don't need to ask. No, <laughs> you're wearing it today. Yay. Oh, nobody can see. I've got green on. <laughs> it's a very specific. It's not just green, it's chartreuse. Yeah, you'll be yeah. able to see from uh, Lauren's uh, uh, the, the, the icon. The bio yeah, yeah, the bi- yeah, yeah. My hair's a little greener than chartreuse, <clears throat> but I'll take it. Yeah. It's a beautiful <laughs> color. Uh, last book you bought or downloaded? Well, the last book I downloaded, I didn't actually have to buy because I'm going to plug. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, Mallory O'Mara, uh, 
I'll plug, I'll plug the book you can buy. I, I'm reading her, the manuscript, the first draft of her new book, which oh, obviously wow. is not out until yeah. uh, I think this fall. But she wrote her first book was um, The Lady from the Black Lagoon. And it's a history of the woman that actually designed and created the creature from the Black Lagoon, who nobody know, knew oh, existed wow. or very few people existed. Ian, of course, knew. Um, Ian and Mallory. Had, have talked about it but yeah. um artists kind of know but she was uh kind of blacklisted out of hollywood because the director uh the studio was sent her on a promotional tour um promoting like the beauty who designed the beast and you know like it was oh, all wow. this you know and she was getting very well known and the director and the makeup artist um special effects makeup then was under makeup mm-hmm. um uh were very very jealous and they uh they struck her name from the credits on the final movie and oh um she she barely worked in in um hollywood ever again oh. uh and kind of died in obscurity um but mm. uh but it's it's called the lady from the black lagoon by mallory O'Mara, and it's a wonderful book you know whether you're into universal monsters or not mm. but, um just about a woman artist and there was so much more about this woman that people didn't know she was one of the first animators at disney i don't want to give away too much but she had a whole very very rich history in the 50s and 60s in um Mm. in hollywood and specifically it for monsters you Mm. know it was again a time that women were not supposed to be you know about interested in monsters or Mm. things like that or horror movies or things Mm. like that so she was very involved in that but her new book is um very dear to my heart is called girly drinks and it's the history of women uh i they haven't settled on the subtitle yet but i think it's going to be something along the lines of like the hidden history of women in drinking um but it goes back to like the dawn of time like like uh i'm very into cocktails and mallory's gotten very into like drinking and cocktails and wine and beer and the culture of that and um (laughs) and (laughs) bartending is is it's been better mm-hmm. in modern times, but for many years, women weren't allowed in bars until mm. prohibition. They weren't allowed out like the, the, the historical context, you could, you could see how feminist a society was by whether the freedom of women mm. uh, being able to drink. So mm. like uh, going all the way back, she goes all the way back to like the dawn of time, which is very interesting. Mm. And like um, ancient Egypt and, you know, the difference between what we you know have inherited from people the, the reputation we've inherited of, of Cleopatra mm. from Rome where women mm. were not allowed to drink at all or they were considered you know sluts and hussies mm. oh, as gosh. opposed yeah, to like wow. the Greek Alexandrian culture yeah. where you know she was lauded as as a powerful queen and you know mm. um, she was just doing what kings did and feasting and you know things like that so um, all the way up to modern times that's so it's amazing. really really fascinating yeah yeah it's I'll great. put those both in the show links but the girly drinks isn't out yet is it or it isn't is it? out yet but if if you go to her website it's just you can pre-order yeah you can pre-order it and you can get the previous book which is fantastic, fantastic especially book. if you're an artist it's a great story I'll, of i'll put those of, up in the, the show notes um would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or talk to animals Every language. Every language. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big traveler. I really, really like traveling. Um, and it would be so helpful. And I mean, I love Google Translate, but it would be so helpful <laughs> yeah. to be able to speak the languages. I mean, I like animals too, but it would be very helpful to be able to speak to my cat. It'd be like, why are you chewing on every cord in the house? But, um, but I, I think in the long run, I'll take the travel. <laughs> I think your cat's got got his own ideas. He's, he was running around earlier on with something in his mouth that was a I great know. big. It was like a blanket, <laughs> like a little yeah. little cat blanket. 
He knows when I'm on the Zoom. It's like a child. <laughs> they know when you're distracted so they can get away with anything. Yeah. He'll be moving the furniture around. In yes, exactly. <laughs> and there's two of us. So my boyfriend is downstairs on, and he works in publishing as well. So he's on his own Zoom meetings. Oh, so we're like, so the cat's just running havoc in between. <laughs> just enjoying every, every minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, fill in the blank. My superpower is... <sighs> I had trouble with this one. Um, <laughs> I think it's a superpower, but also it can be overwhelming. I think I'm, uh, and I mean, we can have a whole nother therapy conversation. <laughs> this is one of the things that, that is always being worked on in therapy, but I think empathy. Empathy, yeah. Yeah, um, but it makes me very good at my job, but it also can be too much sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I completely, yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes <clears throat> I find that I can be feeling for somebody feelings that they're not even aware of, or they too frightened yeah. to feel for themselves. Yeah, and that can be. Quite... It happens a lot in in portfolio reviews. It's very mm. exhausting. Like mm. it's almost, and I imagine that that it's much like therapy, and that's why so, so much of my own interest is, has gone over to reading about therapy and therapists. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, sometimes I I respond to how I'm feeling mm. because I know that I'm picking up what they're feeling you know it's, yeah yeah it's unpicking it isn't it yeah but it's exhausting yeah <laughs> very exhausting <laughs> luckily for therapists we have supervisors as well so they can yeah, you know <laughs> and unpick it for us and often well because oh my god I didn't even see that well and also just because you're picking up something from someone doesn't mean that person is conscious of it or yeah. wants to wants to talk about it or wants yeah, to admit absolutely. it or wants to absolutely. face it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're 100% right there. Absolutely. Um, your favorite season? Summer. Summer. Yeah, somebody yeah. said spring this morning as well. It can't be It can't be too hot for me. <laughs> Not too I've, hot. Yeah, I've got mostly Mediterranean. in New York, doesn't it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Can't get too hot. <laughs> I mean, I'll sweat and complain about it, but like I'm, I'm, the the biggest proportion of my 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 ethnic background is sicilian so i think that oh. just hot wet mediterranean weather yeah you know? also i surf so I, you can always surf in the summer yeah right? you can always cool down and you can surf in the winter but i choose not to it will <laughs> be cold. too cold yeah slippers or cozy socks barefoot barefoot i think i, saw I was one... listening to this conversation with ian and he also <laughs> said barefoot so i have to text him and say that i agree <laughs> i am a, a okay i am a bit of a klutz but i it's not that i'm clumsy it's just that my brain is doing too many things and it doesn't always pay attention to like what my elbows and feet are doing <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's safer to be barefoot because I have a, a greater awareness of like what's happening, like the, the ground under me. I, I recently had socks on in the house and I, especially pandemic, like mm. we barely go outside. Mm. So I, I had had socks on cause I ran to the store and came back and took off my shoes and didn't take off my socks. And I slipped and fell down the oh. stairs. Oh. Um, luckily fell on my butt and, you know, just banged some oh. things and it was fine. But um, you know, my boyfriend yelled at me, he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I had socks on. He's like, also people can't see uh lauren has got a really really shiny wooden floor so yeah yeah yeah. that probably didn't help oh gosh oh god i hope you're okay (laughs) i'm fine i'm fine but (laughs) you know i definitely barefoot 
also that's a summer thing too yeah oh in the summer it's one of my favorite things to do Mm -hmm. in the grass um just be barefoot and feel grounded yeah i think it's really 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 nice i love my feet in sand like oh sand sand. yeah absolutely you know i'm really missing being near water at the moment really missing that this is the first summer i haven't surfed in a long time Mm, yeah but it was just too I only got in the ocean once my mom and I uh, I live in New York for listening I live Mm. in Brooklyn but um, my mom and I uh, took one day with masks Mm. and everything and went to Coney Island and got in the ocean like Mm. one day and that was it so it's funny isn't it all these um you know aspects of nature that we're kind of only noticing how much we miss now that we're we've not got so much access to them yeah. And it kind another, of, that's another quote I love too, which is not actually in my sketchbook, but so you've opened the quote. Yeah. Like <laughs> um, I, and I'm going to probably paraphrase it, but um, I think it's, uh, is that uh, Denison, the author? I mm-hmm. sometimes don't know how to, not so great at name pronunciations, but it's um, salt water is the cure for everything, either uh, tears or um, sweat or the sea. Mm. yeah that's true isn't it because uh, yeah because like the tears salt water um oh gosh Work. yeah yeah or just a cleansing yeah and yeah even cleansing as you were saying because i've been gargling this week <laughs> with salt water <laughs> you know? yeah and just that what it what it means um and what we're missing what we're missing it's very Hopefully. richy too yeah yeah sometimes I'll get I mean I definitely have shades of my Italian grandmother in me because like you know sometimes I'll just like throw salt at something you know or like put some salt in <laughs> something that's not supposed to have salt and it just like <laughs> the I just out. visions of you chucking salt at people out the window just, for, just I mean sometimes <laughs> just, for, just for the sake of chucking salt yeah yeah, exactly. yeah, after that. <laughs> yeah. get away demons <laughs> Oh, Lauren, it's been so much fun chatting. It's and actually, wonderful. we do need to organize um, a Zoom thing where we can we can play. You and I can play. That would um, be amazing. Yeah, let's let's do that off off yeah. air. But a blackout poetry session. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. Oh, I'm going to send you the link to Vanessa's work as well. Oh, brilliant! Yes, do that, and I'll I'll put that up in the show notes, and also all the other bits that we've talked talked about. I've written them down. They're a little bit scribbly, so I may ping you a note to say. Okay. We. <laughs> <laughs> we've we've closed a lot of tabs there were a lot of tabs we have we have oh always a pleasure lauren always a pleasure talking it's great to talk to you and hopefully we can talk again uh very soon but in the meantime where can people find you um well orbitbooks.net is all of my professional book cover stuff there is a laurenpanapinto.com i don't always keep it perfectly up to date um, but but there's a lot of you know my other stuff there. Um, I write for a blog called Muddy Colors, which if you Google will come up. I've been mm-hmm. writing there for about eight years now, which is amazing. Um, and then drawnanddrafted.com is uh, all of the art educational, you know, yeah, you know, borderline mental healthy kind mm-hmm. of questions and answers and downloads and things about Brilliant. promoting your work, art career stuff is there. Fantastic. So those will also go up in the show notes so people can <clears throat> access them and, and, and get a look at what we were talking about. Right. I'd like, really absolutely. recommend um, tapping into certainly the, the blog and the, the resources because they're really, really useful. 
Hmm. Oh, Lauren, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. This has been chatting. so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's sad that we needed a podcasting series to catch up, but hopefully <laughs> yeah. we can keep it going now. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And it is, is it, as I said to, you know, Ian as well, it just feels like there's no time has gone by and that mm, we could be sitting true. in a bar in New York or we could be in London somewhere and we could be chatting. Like we've I am very before. overdue for a trip to London. Yeah. So as soon as the pandemic is yeah, absolutely. passed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, that was Lauren that we I was talking to, and I hope you've enjoyed the, the conversation that we've had because it was just two friends chatting again. <laughs> 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 thank you, Lauren. <laughs> thank you. I hope you enjoyed that because as I was editing it and I was listening back I was giggling at myself and giggling at (laughs) us giggling so I hope it also brings you a space to laugh relax and enjoy um thank you so much for listening and again thank you so much Lauren because I know how busy you are but thank you for your authenticity your vulnerability and you know just sharing so much valuable information that I think many creatives are going to benefit from hearing um yes please do again leave a rating leave a review share with as many people as you can help me normalize the mental health conversations and and dispel the myths about reaching out for um support and and help because we know right now we really need that be that in communities, be that as an individual, but we really need to think about our self-care and that's really coming through for me at the moment. Again, thank you so much for listening and supporting um, my work, uh, putting these podcasts together. I really, really appreciate that. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you on the next one.